Welcome to the Jay Morton Podcast. Welcome to episode five of the Jay Morton Podcast, where we explore some of my own and my guests' life adventures and experiences. For this episode of seven, that touch on the mindset strategy I explored in my recent book, Soldier, we're discussing the subject of intelligence with some deep insights from my special guest, Tim Howell. Tim jumps from anything he can, buildings, mountains, bridges and antennas. He is a pioneer in base jumping with around 800 jumps to his name and numerous first descents. But first, it's shout out time to our sponsors, Harley Davidson. It's a brand I love and one that I'm proud to have on board supporting this series. Uh, Tim, Tim yeah. Howell, mate, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Um, how's it going? How are you? Yeah, all good. Thanks so much for having me, man. Um, yeah, just got back from a trip. So it's, um, yeah, now... Where, where was the trip? Uh, Kyrgyzstan. Uh, I was close to saying Kazakhstan. Right. I kept on getting them confused to a yeah, point Borat. where I was... That's where Borat lives, right? Kazakhstan. Yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, back, back from Kyrgyzstan for three weeks, um, yeah. trying some new ascents and... And yeah, it was, it was it was really successful. Really good bunch of people. But uh, what, what's it for like now, out in the, Kurdistan? The just, sorry, what's it like out in Kurdistan? Because yeah, I mean, close it's, to Afghanistan, right? Yeah. So I don't know if you know the story of um, Tommy Caldwell uh, and the Dawn Wall. But Wait, he I, just, was, I just had a, a sorry, sorry. I just had no, a complete right? brain fart. Kurdistan, right? As in, as in K U R. Not Kurdistan. Right, Kurdistan's next to Iraq. Yes, which okay, I'm trying yeah, to get yeah. to next month. <laughs> right. Wow. 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 Um, so, so what? Yeah, which K- one's this called? Man. K- How do you spell it? K- oh, jeez, mate. Now you're K- with Y's K- and Z's K- and R's and stuff. Uh, C. Where's that? K U R G. Is it? It's below so Kazakhstan. Right. Right. Right below it. Um, but Kazakhstan is. Huge country, and, and yeah. Kyrgyzstan is is quite a small country, um, but it's got a mountain range in it called the the Tian Shan, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's just full of like four thousand, five thousand meter peaks, and, and plenty that have been unclimbed. So it's wow. uh, yeah, perfect opportunity just to set up base camp, and you know you've got up to ten objectives in one valley that you can just go off each day and, and try and summit. So, and and what yeah. kind of climbing is it? Is it um, is it all rock? Is it mixed climbing? Is it um, is yeah, the snow I and mean, ice up there? Or yeah, yeah, plenty all glacial stuff. Um, plenty of rock, but uh, in the area that we were at, there was a lot of relatively easy easy uh, summits. You know, PD to you know you can make them as hard as you want. Mm-hmm. Um, so my my main goal was to try and. Open a few routes that are around ADD in the in the French grading system, um, what, and and what, try and do a five thousand meter summit. I'd never done a five thousand route before. So what um what's the highest summit there? Is it five thousand? Uh, in the area that we were, yeah, there were three unclimbed five thousanders. Um, but I mean the the most famous one, uh, Chan Chantengri, uh, which right. is a seven thousander, um, right. in, in the range. So there are some big, big things out there, but uh, it's, most it's, of the unclimbed mountains are around five or four. It's crazy how many, how many seven thousand meter and six thousand meter peaks that are unclimbed around the world, right? Especially yeah, in that man. area, Pakistan, India, yeah, um, probably all those Stan areas. I mean, I think even in Afghanistan when we were there, there was there was definitely well, there was villages up at kind of you know 
3,000 meters of altitude and there was definitely, <laughs> you know, mountains way above that. Yeah. Um, and I actually met some Norwegian guys that did some first ascents in some of the mountains in Afghanistan. In Afghan, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've been keeping in touch with a few of the, the guys in Afghan, local guys. Yeah. And there's um, in the Bamiyan area, uh, which yeah, is, yeah. I think, Afghan's only national park. Um, and there's a few mountains around there, around 5,000. And the, the local guys have tried, you know, four, five, six times to try and summit and always so close to the summit. So it's I, it's one of my goals, definitely, to, to go out there and, and try and climb with the locals. It would be a really cool experience. Did, did you go out there when you were in the military? Yeah, I did a, a short tour uh, on Exercise 17, Herrick 17. It was... Uh, just just to put a bit bit of context, a bit bit of jam on the uh, bit of context yeah, yeah. to it. Like I hate I hate the term "what do you do," but if someone if I was to say mm. like what, because you know people listening to this now are going to be like, "Who's Tim Howell?" If I was to say like what what are your biggest passions that that you are most known for? Um, yeah, it's probably a bit better a question than "what do you do?" Right? <laughs> yeah, sure. I hate that um, question. So I, I left the military three years ago now. Uh, with a sole intention of, of just uh, being self-employed and doing what I want to do when I want to do it, you know, because I was, I was missing so many opportunities uh, when I was uh, in the military. Um, so now I kind of spend all of my free time uh, climbing up mountains and jumping off them, really, I think is the, uh, is the easiest way to explain it. But, uh, you know, I'm not an extraordinary alpinist or anything. But um, I try and push myself comfortably within the grade that I can climb. Um, you know, one, one of the main things that I'm trying to do at the moment is climb the, the six great north faces of the Alps and then wingsuit off them. Um, wow. So it's like north face of the Eiger, Pisbedil, Matterhorn, Walker Spur, um, Treshim, um, and the Drew. Uh, so I've done four out of six of them. Um, so still waiting for the weather window for the, for the last two. Uh, have, you ju- have you jumped off them as well or just climbed them? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, it doesn't always happen on the same day because yeah. of the weather conditions that you need, uh, for climbing and the weather conditions you need for jumping. Um, but yeah, I've jumped, jumped four out of six of them. Um, <laughs> I think that's, um, you know, even just to climb any of the North faces of, of the Alps, I think just to put it into perspective, for. Uh, anyone that's listening um you, you know like especially when i got into climbing I, I read you know the white spider was a book that i read and took massive inspiration <laughs> from it and um i've actually got some friends that climb the north face of the Iger as well and when they get together there, see, there, there seems to be like this click of the north face <laughs> of the Iger crew and they've just got all these yeah. all these you know it's pretty much the same stories and they always talk about the same parts of the Iger that yeah. they climbed and, yeah and different things but i guess i don't know you know if you were to put it into perspective for someone who's never even climbed mm. to say to, to talk about climbing the north face of the Iger, i mean how would you describe it to someone who's never climbed i mean i the north face of the Iger was my first north face that i climbed um and i think i was blasé and probably uh, a bit naive as to what i was letting myself in for <laughs> um, and and it was it was I think about five years ago I was still serving when I when I climbed the North Face, um, so to be honest, compared to what I've done since, it was like 
Um, it was it was harder technically, but I don't remember it being that hard um, or as hard as things I've done since, just because I didn't know what I was in for. Yeah. You know, and, and when you don't know, you don't know, and you just you just get it done, sort of thing, you know. Um, but I mean, we we had pretty good conditions. Um, took us two days, and we bivied on the summit. Um, but yeah, it was it was yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a proper north face, that's for sure. Like uh, you wouldn't want to fall off on uh, on any part of it. I guess to put it put it into perspective, what is it? Is it mm. is it like one? One one thousand one thousand six hundred meters around that. I the, think the it's one, face itself. one two of climbing. Because um, you come then, out of yeah, the train station, don't right? count. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Don't count the first like easy bits. And I guess um, you know if, if anyone wanted to, you know, you could just YouTube North Face the Eiger or I actually watched. You know, Joe Simpson. Uh, have you seen Joe Simpson's Amazon film that he did about no, the Eiger? No. It's actually all right. Um, seeing as I've I'm locked down in quarantine. I've took a passion yeah, to yeah. Uh, Netflix and Amazon again, and I started watching Amazon oh, Prime. Right. And uh, yeah, Joe Simpson's brought out. Uh, uh, it's decent, actually. It's about it's about uh, White Spider. So it's about um, the Hinterstoiser and yeah, his crew yeah. climbing climbing the Eiger. But um, yeah, I mean, that must have been some feat to climb the Eiger back in those days. I mean, I mean, that's something that was always in the back of my mind, like. When, when I was climbing on the Crux pitches and clipping pitons, thinking, you know, these could be the original pitons that were put in. Um, and, and we, we bivied on Death Bivy, which is yeah. a notorious <laughs> bivy spot where the two guys died. Yeah. Um, so the, the history of it is phenomenal. But thinking, you know, me with my modern tools, I've bought brand new boots for it, brand new crampons, thinking like these guys are doing it in, you know, 38. It's... Yeah. If they can do it back then, I think I can do it now. Sort of, that was my motivation sort of thing, you know? Yeah, facts. I mean, imagine the crampons back in those days. And even, they weren't even double technical axes, right? Yeah. It was a single wooden axe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, boots. And... Yeah, no, no no harness. It was just the old, uh, Yeah. what was it? It's like the twine rope or whatever it was like. Yeah, yeah, hemp, hemp rope. Imagine. Hemp rope. Yeah. Do, you never, <laughs> do, you, do you never fancy just going, do you know what? I might just go and see if I can climb the north face of the Eiger in the in the old kit. Old school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a barber jacket. <laughs> just like a, a, a shit Debenhams wool jumper or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That roll net. I like the old yeah. issued ones, the old issued woolly pullies. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. Um, no, it's, um, you know, I definitely, uh, you know, heard a lot of stories about north face of the Eiger. It's probably, you know, for me, it's, I don't know. I always, I, it was one of those that I never, never thought that I was good enough to climb. I think so. I never mm. climbed it. Um, but you know, you hear stories of just being sat on that bivy at night and it's just boulders and rocks coming down, and um, it's quite, it's quite an eerie climb, I'd imagine. Yeah, I, I, because of the history, it's just so yeah. eerie. Sitting on that on death bivy, sneaking on death bivy, and thinking, you know, this is where two blokes died. And it, and it is like infamous for how many people you know have have perished on it. I've, I've had friends and and known people since who have died on the route, and and way more competent climbers than I am. Um, you know, we we were fortunate we didn't have any any uh, rock fall or anything. Mm. Uh, when I climbed the Drew, the north face of the Drew, 
uh, with a good friend of mine who's, who's also still serving. He, we got uh, stopped twice because of rock form and we had to return to the route because uh, mm. our, our ropes were cut. So, well, because the he, rock had, had hit the rope and pushed yeah. the rope on. No yeah, way. exactly. Man. Like the rope just, you know, completely. The Drew's gnarly, isn't it? Like, it was just horrible. to look at we it. Had, yeah. yeah, we had an absolute epic on it. Like, two really? nights of storms. Um, it was, yeah, it was pretty full on. <laughs> Do you know what? You, you, um, was that last year? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you were out there um, at the same time I was. Ah, yes. Because I because, um, um, I bumped into a guide, a British guide, who's, who bumped into you on the, on the Drew, and he was, yeah, I'm sure he was, he was explaining that there was a, a British yes. guide called Tim who's on the Drew having an epic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was Tim Blackmore, because he was two guides climbing with each other. Stu, one yes. guy, quite funny. He's actually ex-military, yeah. ex-RFPTI uh, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they, they managed to avoid the first day of storms. Yeah, they, they just climbed it, hadn't they? That's right, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, They smashed it. So they got back down to town. We missed the window by like a couple of hours and were stuck for that storm, which then delayed us by the next day, which then delayed us another day. But um, yeah, I remember, I remember him talking, talking about you guys now, actually. Yeah. Um, was it was Nims in town at the same time as well? Yes, yeah, that's because right. They, they, my mate Dave and I, well, Dave worked with Nims. Yeah. Uh, so we all saw Nims in the afternoon as well when we got back down. That's right. Yeah, mm. Nims was there too. Oh yeah, I must have just missed you. Um, yeah. So you're gonna you're gonna climb them all and jump off them all. So yeah, you've done. Plan. So you, you jumped off the the Iger already. Yeah, actually, so the Iger is probably one of the harder climbs, but the easiest jump. Is that the mushroom? Um, is the mushroom? That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so the is the easiest jump. There's also a high one on the summer and another one on the south face. Um, so I'm trying to do them all just because they're there. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, there's, there's a lot more technical jumps on the other north faces. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the mushroom's just a classic. You can get up there in two hours from the local train station and, uh, and do laps on it all day. Yeah. Tim, how did you get into the base jumping stuff? Um, so I've, I've always been a climber, a rock climber, mainly before the, for the alpinism. And it's the places that you go to, to rock climb uh, are often frequented by, by base jumpers. So Tonsai in Thailand is like a base jumping paradise. So the first time I ever saw a base jumper was in Tonsai. Um, and she was a, a Kiwi lady and she couldn't really climb. So I said, I'd help her get to the exit point on top of this cliff thinking I had 50 skydives at the time. And I was thinking, oh, maybe if I help her, she'll, she'll lend me a parachute and she can, she can shut me off the cliff and I can do my first base jump. Absolutely dreaming. Not going to happen. Um, but that was my first time I, I saw a base jump. And from there it was, yeah, it was definitely a dream of mine. Are you, are you um, glad that didn't happen? Are you glad looking back now that that didn't happen after 50 skydives? No. <laughs> I would have loved to have done it. But, um, but you know, I, I teach base jumping now. So it's, yeah. for me, it's getting my students in the right frame of mind and teaching them in a way that's, um, that it's a slow progression, but doing it the right way, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and if I had done it at 50, 50 skydives, it, it wouldn't have been the right way. And that kind of sets you up you know, sets man- your mentality up for, not for failure, but for doing things 
not in the right way, you know, and I, th- I think that's important to, to make sure you've got a logical approach to it. Yeah, because I think there's probably a massive misconception about base jumping, right, that um, yeah. it's, it's, it's crazy people that want to throw themselves off cliffs and bridges when, you know, in fact, it's actually probably quite the opposite, right? It's probably people that, for sure, or, 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 or the successful ones that are doing it, right? You probably get <laughs> yeah, that that might be the difference. Yeah, you, yeah. You know, I, I mean, the, the media spins it as some sort of like adrenaline addiction, crazy stunts. You know, there are stunts within the sport, um, but for me, it's a sport. It's a cliche. It's a way of life. It, it is for me. Yeah. You know, I, I take my rig everywhere yeah. I go. Yeah. Um, but it's the amount of calculation and methodical sort of sort of thinking that goes into it. Um, I, I took my parents to see my wife and I jump a couple of years ago, and they had the same sort of sort of the idea of the sport. And and when they finally saw us gearing up and talking about the jump and where we're going to land and everything like that, they, it changed their mind, you know. And they they were a lot more confident with it after that because they realised how much you know effort goes into the process. Yeah, because it's it's one of those, right? It's there's, I guess the margin for error is so. I mean, you know, the, the worst thing that could happen is death, right? And there's probably not mm. much in between, you know, a serious injury. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, th- that's the margin for error. It's either death or a serious injury. Do you do you think yeah. about that at all, or is that, you know, yeah, you often. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you, I do mean, you there's, there's a go on. Sorry, um, there's a few ways I, I think of it because, you know, before a jump, you know, I'm I'm not going to jump if if uh, the the lever of risk is too high, um, but obviously in certain jumps it is very high. But I know I can, you know, with my calculations, I know I can do it. But at the end of the day, I stand on the edge of the cliff and I think this potentially could be my last jump, you know, but I still I still do it. And I, I think that shows like the reward that I get from it. Mm. Whatever that reward is, I think is, you know, outweighs the risk for me personally. Um, and there's, there's, it's, it's what I think base jumping is one of those things, right? That a, a lot of people probably would never understand. So, I mean, yeah. if you were to talk someone like how, you know, for me, say for example, I mean, it's not in, non, not not that comparable, but say parachuting at nighttime, military parachuting mm. at nighttime is probably up there. Can be yeah. one of the you know, in black light, absolutely zero moon state. Like mm. it's pretty sketchy, right? You're jumping out, yeah. pulling your parachute, and following twenty other mentalists in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I always, you know, I always think like before you do something there's way you're way more nervous or the, the feelings of nerves right whatever you want to call it um mm. you know you're just it's the feeling of right what could go wrong and that does play in your head right because if you didn't have it in your head then yeah um you're probably a psychopath right no exactly um, up until the moment that you that you jump out and then it's all it's all quiet right and all that worrying and stuff just goes out your head because there's no no yeah. time for it like, do you get the same thing with, with base jumping? Yeah, I mean, you, you think about all the different outcomes. Um, I think there's a difference between, and I've seen it before, being worried on the exit point, the point you're shaking and, you know, your, your breathing's out of control and everything because you're thinking about all the different problems. You're like, oh, and you're not focusing. 
you know, and I've I've seen it literally like a direct correlation between that happening and something going wrong. Mm. Um, or if something goes wrong, your mind's everywhere, so you can't react. Um, compared to standing on the exit and thinking, okay, if this does go wrong, I'm going to do this. If that happens, I'm going to land there. You know, but you're doing it in a, in a methodical, slow sort of sort of manner, and you and you can deal with any situations that hit you. So I, I never want to be on the exit point, breathing heavily, mind spinning out of control. And sometimes I'll take a step back, and I'll um, and I'll just you know recompose myself, take my breathing down, and that's when I, I know I'm ready to to react to anything that will go wrong. Um, do you, do you do you do anything? Do you like meditate or anything, or just use breathing I, I techniques? Or I don't have any patience, mate. You know? <laughs> I, can't, I can't meditate. <laughs> no, I mean br- breathing techniques. Like like if my heart is thumping like a million yeah. miles an hour. Like uh, my wife once had like a, a little bit, nothing crazy, but like a bad exit, and I sort of and I was like, okay, let me yeah. step back. I knew she was fine, but. My heart was going, so I, I stepped back, did some breathing, and then, and then went for it. Because yeah. that must be weird, right? Because your your wife base jumps as well. Mm. Is there like, I don't know, that that must be weird going base jumping with someone that you that you you know that you love and you don't want to see it is. injured. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I mean, mentioned to it, right? It it really does. I mean, I. We, we, we're both like mountainous people. She's yeah. just came back from the trip to Tian Shan with me as well. So she, she enjoys climbing, mountaineering. Um, so I, I couldn't have a relationship where my wife did anything, you know, that, where she wasn't interested in the mountains, you know. Yeah. Uh, and we met through skydiving and base jumping. Um, but the more that we, you know, know each other and, 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 uh, uh, with with each other, the more I do worry, and the more you know, it does put some sort of yeah, anxiety on me. But uh, but uh, yeah, that's 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 how it is. We we deal with it, and we know our limitations. and And the amazing thing is, we we've, we've been we've been learning together as well. So we've been like understanding each other's abilities and risk management, and and we kind of help each other decide these decisions together. So it's I think that's a really important step to, to do together wasn't there um when you asked her to marry him wasn't there a what's the story yeah, that behind was, that that was pretty full-on yeah i mean lo- looking back at like the early days of, of jumping with with each other um we did some some pretty full-on stuff that we in hindsight maybe weren't ready for or maybe you know was on the edge of of uh, <laughs> the limit of risk that we're willing to take, but uh, but the accident in uh, in Cape Town on, on Table Mountain definitely put um, put like kind of a bit of a damper on things and and slowed things down for Eva. Um, did it? What is in is in confidence with with jumping? Yeah, I mean, yeah, a little bit, a little bit of confidence. Uh, I mean, she was jumping within three months of the surgery, so it was mm-hmm. uh, it was. She was still, you know, back on the horse. Um, but in just t- terms of like evaluating jumps for her, you know, like landings and, and wh- what risk she's willing to take. So she's definitely since then said no to a few other jumps, um, you know, directly because of yeah. the, the Table Mountain incident. 
I really, I can imagine something like base jumping. You really need to have, um, like your 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 intuition and your sixth sense really dialed in. Is that something that you listen to, or are you just? Yeah, man. There's something in that, right? There really is. Really is. But it's. I I I read an article about you know this this sixth sense, and it's 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 not so much like a sixth sense, but but your subconscious, you know. And I've and I've heard stories in the military about this, you know. Um, I've heard stories in the military. You know, a friend of mine who was in Northern Ireland, and he and he said, "I'm today. I'm not going to walk down that street." Sort of thing. He had a bad feeling. And although sixth sense, a lot of people might think is this sort of mystic sort of intuition, I think it's got a lot more to be said for it uh, in terms of just your subconscious picking up on things. You know, whether that's a smell or something doesn't look right or smell right or, you know, all the information that you gathered that day just compounds into something that says not today. Um, And although you might just be having a gut feeling, it's probably your your subconscious putting everything together and and telling you. So Mm. although you can't really put your finger on it, I think there's there's factual uh, bits of information there saying, no, not today. Yeah, I think... um... I think we're way smarter than what we think. And, uh, yeah, no, exactly. Uh, my, my whole theory on it is, you know, like language is a human construct, right? We, we created language. But before that, we had to communicate in certain ways, like a dog, right? A dog barks. Hmm. It's not necessarily a language, but the other dog understands what that dog's doing or saying through, you know, cues, body language, gestures, or you know, what you would call a, a sixth sense or intuition. Yeah. And I reckon like deep down, we've still got this, you know, like, you, you know, when you can tell what someone's thinking or doing or saying, mm. it's it's the same thing, right? Before language, yeah. we have this way of, of communicating yeah, sure. and speaking. And I think we've just got, we've just got way more senses and an understanding of what's going on than what yeah. we actually just, because what, because if you think of language, right, you can only describe, things in a certain way you can only describe things through language right but I, there's certain things that i think you can't describe with language that are just whether yeah. it's a feeling or a thought or a you know you can't yeah can't describe no, all smell man, sure. language it's, there's definitely something yeah. there isn't there yeah yeah i mean i've had aliens do you believe in aliens Tim? I, I did listen to an Elon Musk, uh, no, Brian Cox podcast with uh, Joe Rogan the other day. So uh, it was quite compelling. But, uh, <laughs> I love all the, um, all the, uh, th- th- there's all the press coming out that the, you know, that the US government are now releasing statements saying that there's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen that? The UFO? I, I mean, I, I saw a title of it, like, but uh, I haven't read into it or anything. You should just, um, you should just cut, you know, Come official on this podcast and just say that when you're out in uh, when you're out in Kazakh, Kurdistan, whatever a stand, yeah. you, you one, saw, of the stands. Uh, one of the stands, mate. You saw, uh, yeah, you see, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they could they could be real, right? We could be aliens. Yeah. So Brian Cox was saying like the the idea of aliens um, probably exists, but they. They could be like nano. They could be like so far advanced in technology they can't even communicate with us, or they don't want to communicate with us. So there's, yeah, lots of things out there. Lots of ideas. Yeah, I like I like the um, the one that this is just a big computer simulation, and 
we're actually massive, overweight slugs yeah. just just sat, <laughs> just just dreaming that's, that's of uh, Elon Musk's idea, isn't it? Yeah, is, yeah, uh, yeah. He, he says it's like really probable. Yeah, yeah. but if you think about it, right? As humans, we just became because everything just gets so easier and easier and easier and easier, right? That sooner or later, you don't yeah. need you don't need a body that that needs to be active or yeah. and you'd miss all that stuff, right? If you were just this massive slug that didn't move. <laughs> You just you plug yourself into these electrodes <laughs> yeah. and just yeah and just live, imagine live your life out yeah yeah I go back to climbing mountains exactly like you that's <laughs> the, that's the that's the one that you chose isn't it <laughs> that, then that leads you to these fat slugs that are having the body of a person that works nine to five super hard has no spare money what's he doing but he then be living his best life. <laughs> He chose because he was uh, he chose the budget option. Right. <laughs> well, I'm honoured that I'm not the budget option, man. No, you got you got Even a with this one pound Kazakhstan haircut. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the Kazakhstan haircut? It was, mate. I gave a uh, I gave got undercut her, as well. Uh, sorry, got undercut. You've got you've got the whole undercut thing going on. Nineties undercut going on. I've, and I, I had a bit of, I'm disgusted to say, but I had a bit of a bun. So a bit she of a did what? this. A like bun. A top, did you have a top? Oh, one? mate. Yeah, it's I know. I don't know powerful. what I was thinking. I know. Mate, but I, throughout my whole life, I've always had short hair because the military and then prior to that, like my dad being in the military, it was like short hair. So I thought I'll just grow it out. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was you, an experiment going but, wrong. When you came out of the military, did you? Did you like uh, keep your sideburns short and short no, back and sides? The, the, and... the facial hair went crazy for sure. Yeah. Until it's I freedom, married Eva. Right? Exactly, exactly. It's freedom. But the right? hair's it's... always been pretty much in control. Ah, that's good. Yeah, I find it like uh, as, as soon as anyone's allowed to grow a beard in the military or <laughs> yeah. grow the hair, it's like, fuck, I just want to do that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, find um, the system. I always, uh, going back to the stands in Afghanistan. What, mm. what were the what were the people like there? I always, you know, when I was in Afghanistan, I always, you know, when we were first there, I could always imagine this place as being. I don't know. The people are quite friendly, right? You can always imagine mm. the place being a, a tourist Sometimes area. Too friendly. Too friendly. Yeah, they're the ones to watch <laughs> out for, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that friendly, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like I've I've worked in in Oman and Saudi, and I, I really enjoy Oman. I think the Saudi um, the people that we work with are a definitely definitely a different type of personality. Um, but then, yeah, the Kyrgyzstan is is kind of Central East Asia, uh, sorry, Central Asia, with a lot of Russian influence as well. Mm. So the the Asian people there were super friendly, like. Like just yeah, really, really nice people. We had no problems, you know, with with whatever we did. It was yeah, it was really good. Um, but then yeah, the Russians just have no emotion, do they? Uh, so, like I've, I've not met I've I've not met that many Russians bizarrely because yeah. they seem to get everywhere, don't they? We, we had. This, I mean, I have uh, a lot of Russian friends that that are great, but just everyone that everyone that we dealt with on on this trip was just like you put the bag there. 
and and that was it sort of thing like my friends getting slapped for like putting the bag in the wrong place and stuff it was all of it yeah we had this so um, we had this uh when i climbed manasley the first the, yeah the first time um there mm. was this rush there was this russian guy in fact i think it was yeah the first time there was this russian guy we were all sat in the tent just having dinner one night and this guy just pops his head through the through the window spoke hardly any english right so he's he's putting together this pigeon english and he's like hello uh uh, do you mind? Uh, we have friend, friend go mountain, and he's just put throwing these words yeah. out. There. So we're like, <laughs> we're like, mate, we're like, come in, come in, you know, have some food, sit down, have some, yeah. you know, some tea and that. Um, anyway, we managed to get out of him that he he'd been basically held by the Nepalese government, God knows why, really? visa visa issues, yeah. For I mean, he said three days, right? But he flew out with a group of mates. None of his mates got held. So they flew to base camp. Um, okay. They, they'd already climbed and summited Manaslu and, and they were on their way back down. So they'd left his bag or they'd left our bag at camp three with, <laughs> with, um, with his summit suit, with all his kit. Um, and they, they went on base camp, right? So he turned up three days, more like three, yeah. four weeks <laughs> later. Yeah, he walked into our tent. And, and bear in mind, there was like me, there was another ex-Special Forces guy. In fact, two ex-Special, in fact, there was three of us, three ex-Special mm. uh, Forces guys. So we were all like, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a Russian spy. But um, <laughs> <laughs> just, jo- yeah. just joking. But um, yeah, yeah. yeah we, we took him on. He was like the orphan of the camp and we, we, we gave him a tent. And um, he had this weird like Hessian bag full of... Um, like these these cubes of bread, and I think the bread must have been stale. But it was his, you know, like everyone takes something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like some dried salami. Sounds like some sort of like shit bread survival rations. Or something. it was. It was like this Hessian yeah. sack full of this this bread. Oh my god! And um, so he stayed with us for three or four days. Right. Bear in mind, he's not acclimatized. One day, he just turned around and said, "Okay, I go a mountain." <laughs> so he leaves. Right. Bear in mind, he's he's no bag. He's just got his rucksack. He's turned up, he's got um, what looks like wool but could be cotton onesie as his, as his oh base layer um, and a ripped, I mean, I don't think it was Gore-Tex, but it was, you know, like your dad's cagoule when you were growing up that was, you know, <laughs> that kind of, that plastic material. Plastic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, so, so he goes off up the mountain and I think two days later we, we set off and we're sat at camp too. Um, day, uh, so this is nighttime now, or just as the yeah nighttime. So the sun's gone down. We're sat at camp two, just having our last brews and that before we get in our tent. And then <clears throat> I see this, I see this tiny. I mean, it must have looked like a candlelight just in mm. the distance. And I was like looking. I was like, what? What's like? What the hell is that? So I get the, the lads around, and after camp two on Manaslu, it's a pretty steep, uh, pretty steep section. Yeah, yeah, I might have got that right. It's a pretty steep section going up to camp three. And um, like through the through the crevasses and glaciers, and um, I'm like, what the hell is that? Anyway, it gets closer and closer, and it's this this tiny light. And um, so I I run up, I, I go and see what it is, just in case it's someone who needs help. It's yeah. this Russian, it's this Russian dude, right? And he's got, you know, the old Nokia 3310. <laughs> <laughs> so he's no head, he's no head torch. 
right? Head Torch yeah. Torch was apparently in this rucksack at Camp 3. He's got his Nokia 3310 out, trying to find the way down from Camp 3, camp three to Camp 2. Wow. Yeah, he couldn't find the bag. So he went up to Camp 3, couldn't find the bag. Um, so he, he thought, right, I'll just, I'm, I'm going to have to push on and see if I can summer. So he was scratching around at the top of Manasloo trying to, trying to summer. And then Kate, like, couldn't. I don't, I don't think, because it's quite deceiving. There's like two summits. And you can quite, if you're up there yeah. on your own, you can quite easily go for what looks the biggest. But mm. it's not. It's around the corner. And then, hey, yeah, he'd come back down. So we, he was freezing, mate. He was like shivering. So we, again, we brought him in. Um, and yeah, he, <laughs> so he gets his bag out and he's like, he starts putting his tent up. And I'm like, I'll, I'll, I'll help you put your tent up. Bear in mind, it's pitch black, we're on head torches. And I'm looking around at this tent. I'm like, North Face, two man tent. <laughs> I'm like, mate, that's my tent. What the? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not only that, but oh. he broke the pole. Like one of the poles. Oh my God. Poles completely smashed. Yeah. I yeah. sometimes I just think how how do some of these people surviving on the mountain just like especially in the mountain. I, I, yeah, I, I get some place. people just like not just being hardcore old school Russians, but then there's some people who clearly don't have a clue what they're doing with a thirty three ten. Like that was yeah. hilarious. You do. I mean, you must get that in base jumping as well, right? Just people that people that see it yeah. and go, oh, do you know what? I can do that." They don't last like, long. Literally. Literally. Like, there, there was a case, um, I think it was two years ago now. So it's becoming more and more popular of people buying kit off eBay or, you know, because you don't, you don't sell kit on eBay. It's only on there if it's been stolen because they don't know where to sell it. So people will find it on eBay. Um, hopefully it's packed because they don't know how to pack. Yeah. Uh, there was a guy in the French Foreign Legion, actually, um, probably pretty tapped and decided he's going to give it a go for the biggest wingsuit there was, which is like, you know, super experienced. I th- apparently he survived the first one, but yeah, it's tumbled into the ground on the second one. Um, but he was just, he knew that he was trying to evade people giving him advice because he was going in between like the, the bus shuttles you know, he wasn't asking anyone for advice. He was, he just wanted to give it a go. And, uh, yeah, he lasted two jumps. It was a Ukrainian guy who lasted one jump um, off a building with a skydive rig. So it's, it happens. Yeah. yeah that's, that, that's crazy, right? But imagine the confidence. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, my students have got like two, three, four, five hundred skydives and they're standing, standing on the edge of the bridge and they're, not shitting themselves, but they're, you know, having to focus, yeah. build up sort of the knowledge and the database of information. And there's me guiding them. But these guys have just been like, now nah, I'll buy one on eBay, mate. And I just jump. <laughs> it's, like, it's what, what, prog- what program did he buy? <laughs> exactly, mate. It's just, it blows my it's, mind. It's, it's, I find it honestly crazy. Like, as in, he must be a full blown psychopath. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I've yeah. got, you know, I've, I've got, you know, a few skydive jumps, and I, I, I'm not sure, I'm not sure base jumping's for me. I've, you know, like, I think if I'd have found it when I was younger, I might have done yeah. it with, you know, because I did, I did skydive till later on. If I'd have yeah. skydive maybe when I was younger, I might have done it um, then. But 
yeah, I mean, it's it's just such an unnatural thing. Imagine just being that guy, just staring over the edge, going and thinking this is okay. Oh, okay, mate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, carnage. I mean, I I had to change the way that I approach it because I used to do a lot of like free ride mountain biking, where it was just like your heart's pumping. You're like, yeah, send it, you know, jumping off roofs and stuff. And that was really just like, you know, the worst outcome, you break a leg, collarbone, but it's all just about, yeah, I got to send it. And if I took that to base jumping, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be broken pretty early on. You know, I, I definitely had to change the way that I, I approached the sport. So. Do you think about like the psychology aspect of it quite a lot? Like, do, yeah, you, do yeah. you think about, cause, cause I, I, I I do a lot of like internal thinking on why I enjoy stuff and why I get kicked mm. from stuff. And, and do you do a lot of that with with the base jump with you just in general? Yeah, I, I do. I and I enjoy it. I always like to think about why and how. Um, and there's I often read you know articles and things that might not directly apply to base, but then you can convert them. To, to base jumping and it and it clicks it makes sense you know in terms of risk management or why or uh you know feelings and emotion and emotions and attachments to certain to sports and and things like that but, um yeah for even things like luck like I've, I've got a lot to say about luck <laughs> i hate the word uh, same same thing I, I, it's, it's not a thing it's not appropriate it's uh, yeah luck and hope they should be erased yeah. out of the dictionary. Yeah, yeah. It's so when when my I've I've had one I've had a few major incidents, but I, I've never been injured to stop me jumping the next day, sort of thing. And um, so when I had this first incident, I hit a cliff, uh, beachy head, kind of bounced down off this cliff. I got hung up for a, like a millisecond. I thought this is it because your canopy collapses. You're hung up, and you, you're so, just going to plummet. What was the um, just because like I know what you're talking about, but just can mm. you des- can you describe the jump just to yeah sure because I'm so, um, you know, in terms of like exit and what happened and why yeah. you had a why you had a mouth so really and, really popular location beachy head like white cliffs <clears throat> over in front That's of the UK yeah, yeah yeah in the UK uh, so it's about I think 340 foot so it's it's a big old cliff especially for UK standards um, so you can run off it. It's big, big landing, good to go. Uh, and it was group mentality, which is also another sort of psychological aspect of it. You know, something I've definitely thought of about, thought about. Um, group mentality, let's let's charge. Let's have a good day. So I'm, I'm doing barrel rolls, which I shouldn't be doing. You should learn them on a bridge because a bridge is very forgiving. If you have, if your canopy opens the wrong way, you can fly under the bridge, you're saying. So um, barrel rolls, just a front flip or a back flip or... Yeah. Yeah, no, um, or is it, uh, um, so on, like that. Yeah, on yeah. the other access. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I do that. I've, I've not done one before. I shouldn't be doing it on a cliff. The canopy opens the wrong way, and I hit into the cliff. So at this point, I can try and kick away, uh, turn my canopy. Don't turn it in time. The canopy hits again, and there's flint in the um, in the chalk cliffs, mm-hmm. and my canopy catches one of the bits of flint and it, it kind of stops me for a millisecond but in that millisecond the canopy sort of collapses and if i was stuck up there more than a minute you know that canopy is never going to reinflate 
And if it rips or if I don't get rescued or if it slides off this bit of flint, you know, you're just plummeting down to the ground and you, you know, I was a hundred foot up, you know, that's game over. Yeah. But the flint cuts um, the canopy. Uh, so I fall off in this millisecond, the canopy's still inflated. I can turn it and I land just in a heap of shit in the ground. But, uh, but enough to me to still walk off. Um, yeah. So that was this, this group mentality. You know, people had cameras and filming stuff and everyone's there looking at the, you know, looking at this group of people having fun. It was that sort of, sort of mentality. Yeah, I can, I can do this, which, which is, yeah, not, not the sort of mentality I want to be in. And, and previous times, uh, sorry, times since then, in a group, I've walked away from a situation just to, to let myself know that I can, you know, like when everyone's jumping and everyone's having a good time, and I just go, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk, walk away from this one, not for any particular reason, apart from letting myself know I can. Um, so you don't get caught up in the moment, you know. Yeah, I can um, see that. People, yeah, and and people from that jump said, "Oh, you were so lucky." And I said, "What?" what point did luck have to play in that and they said oh you, you know you're lucky you, you walked away and i said everything that i did all the decision making all the reactions split second reactions of turning or or landing this way or kicking away from the wall all of those reactions that i did consciously or subconsciously ended in the result of me walking away involved it was it was it was me and my decision making and my skills and drills and techniques that end in that result. So I don't, I don't put it down to luck at all. Yeah, I hate the word luck. Um, yeah, it's, you know, I think what people see is you having a near miss and then just, yeah, it's that, it's a weird word, right? And it's a word that's been put in the, you know, it's it's a fairy tale word or a folklore word, right? Yeah, luck. yeah exactly. It's, and it's weirdly worked its way back into the dictionary as, as something that we now say to people, oh, good luck with something mm. or, and it's like, you know, you've done what 800 base jumps now. And it's like, you have that one base jump that, um, that something goes wrong, but uh, you know, people see you as being lucky, but what they don't see is mm. every, every thought action, you know, everything that went into yeah. the previous 799 base jumps, you know, requires you to make that instant reaction that mm. actually saved your life on that, on that, um, on that actual jump. Is it is it luck that's going to get me through this, or is it? Yeah, yeah I got you, man. Yeah, yeah I froze yeah. for a millisecond there. Yeah, sure. Yeah, the luck thing. Yeah, I don't like the word luck. I don't like the word hope either. You know, when people are like, uh, and they're, yeah. they're so they're so used quite they use so much, aren't they? Even like when someone's got when someone's got a hard day or something or a test, you're like, I find myself going, oh, good luck for tomorrow, and I go to write a message. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not fucking like good luck. I don't know. I, I I'd rather use. I, I try. I'll say something like "smash it tomorrow" or yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nail, nail it tomorrow because you know, because you yeah. you can right. Not good luck. Good I luck hope you've so done enough that. prep because that's what's going to get you through. Not yeah. luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same with hope. Yeah. I don't like the word hope. It's like I, I hope. I hope. It's like no. Nah, it's like do or try. Don't yeah. Hope. I mean, I mean, there's hope isn't going to change anything from my point of view you know i'm i i don't uh you know i i want facts and figures uh i don't want some sort of mystical hope that's gonna 
get me through the day or, you know, make me survive it. It's, you know, whether it's conditions or weather or your abilities, it's not hope that's going to get you through that situation. It's, um, so you don't jump with yeah. crystals. And a, ra- and a rabbit's foot. <laughs> and a rabbit's foot. I'll tell you what, I, I wanted to do a jump. There's um there's a famous jump in Lauterbrunnen near the Eiger called Dumpster. Right. And it's called Dumpster just because all the old locals used to just chuck all their shit down there. So you got washing machines and all sorts. And I walked past, yeah, it's it's weird. And I walked past a mirror the other day and I thought it would be really funny on Friday the 13th to do a jump. But on the way to the jump, do like all the faux pas sort of, you know, unlucky things. So like smash the mirror as I'm about to jump, like walk past a black cat, you know, <laughs> go under a ladder and just be like, it, yeah. it doesn't have an effect. It does not have an effect. Imagine if you and died. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's that. But, <laughs> but, then you, you, but then you've proved it, right? You could you could go to the grave knowing that you proved bad luck is a thing. Yeah, exactly. Okay, guys, I I confess, like it is a thing. <laughs> Tim Howell's greatest moments. Yeah. I wanted yeah. to. I wanted my. Uh, I wanted my racing car number to be thirteen. But then, but then, awesome. like you know, I'm still like if I if I'm losing, then I'm not going to be like you can blame on that. Yeah, I think racing cars are a bit different from jumping off a cliff, right? If you jump off a cliff, you probably, you know, if, if bad luck's a real thing, you're going to hit the floor and die. Whereas if I'm losing races and my car's number 13, then am I going to be like, right, is it because I'm not that good on that track or I've not prepared properly or I can't get my head over it? Or is it because my car's 13? Wow. Do you know That's what I mean? That's it comes down to, to what, how, how strong your opinions are on that. Yeah, thing. yeah. <laughs> I hope, I hope yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's the, the bad luck of yeah. the 30s. Have, have you ever seen uh, Team America? Yeah, 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 loads. You know where the dolls are having sex and or about to have sex and she's like, no, my previous husband died uh, and I never want to have sex with somebody that's going to die again. And he goes, I promise I'll never die. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Eva and I, every time we jump, we look at each other and we say, I promise I'll never die. And we both that's jump. Brilliant. And that's kind of like a, you know, two fingers to, to fate or hope or luck or whatever. Yeah. Just to say, like, it's us. You know, it's not nothing else that's controlling it. It's us. I love that, man. I love that. Mm. Um, so one thing I wanted to ask you was, uh, you got into ski base as well, didn't you? Mm. That's yeah, sad. Because I... Mean, um, I, you know, were you inspired by Shane McConkey or? Yeah, 100%. He was the, the one reason that inspired me to do ski base. Um, you know, I, I grew up skiing a lot. Um, so I, but I also do like little courses of ski base and help other people do their first ski base jump now. So for me, it's more about the skiing than the base jumping. Because if you are a base jumper, you can jump off a cliff and throw a pilot shoot, no problem. You know, that's, that's, that's basic stuff. But leaving a cliff at the perfect speed, trajectory, angle, you know, that's the harder part. Um, so I did my first ski base uh, when I had 21 uh, base jumps, which isn't, uh, which isn't that Not much. A lot, no. but, um, but yeah, it went smooth. <laughs> what... Well, um... 
So I guess, again, for just people that don't understand what ski mm. base ski base is, so base jumping, jumping off, what is it, buildings, antennas? Span and earth, yeah, span and earth. a bridge, yeah. And then yeah, ski so base. Ski... <clears throat> yeah, is is pretty much that, but on skis. <laughs> so the, the old movie, uh, The Spy Who Loved Me, um, was uh, was probably the world's first ski base, but that was even before the concept of base jumping existed. Mm. Um, so we had a round parachute. It was a it was a stuntman called Rick Sylvester, and uh, it was on the Baffin Islands as well, which is like four thousand feet cliffs. Like, um, but yeah, that that stunt is is all time. Like, you know, it was a stunt before even base jumping was a thing. It was just yeah. revolutionary. Because he's not a base jumper, the guy that did it, right? He was no, just a no. stuntman. Yeah. What do you yeah. What do you think? Um, have you seen Tom Cruise's stunt in um, the new Mission Impossible? So there's he, the new new Mission Impossible that they're filming yeah. at the moment. Yeah. So that, he he rides the the, the motorbike yeah. off the. Have you seen that? Yeah, I've seen bits and pieces of it. I mean, he does all all his own stuff, and it's yeah, it's pretty full on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I think they did it in Norway. So there's a yeah, there's a massive. I mean, they built this yeah. purpose-built scaffolding and, and wooden ramp, and he, he just yeah. So because it's, back it's up in the Norway, end. they could use. I think I'm I think I'm right in saying it was a skydive rig, which doesn't <clears> stop <throat> it from being a base jump. Um, but the cliff is so big, he could use a yeah. skydive rig instead of a instead of a base rig. But yeah, I mean that's that's some full-on stuff. That's that's dream-worthy jump. What's the what's the difference between a skydive and a base rig? So skydive is is from any vehicle, you know, so, air sorry, balloon, helicopter. Tim, what's the difference in the in the rigs, base and skydive? Oh, rigs? in the rigs, sorry. Yeah. Um, in the rigs is so skydive uh, container will have a reserve and a main, and the main is usually a lot smaller than a base base main. Uh, and it also have an AAD, an automatic activation device. So if you get to a certain altitude and you're unconscious or you haven't pulled your parachute yet, it'll it'll do that for you. Um, while a base jump is super simple, it's is a container and it's a canopy and that's it. So, so why would he why would he have used a skydive rig over a, a base jump rig for that stunt? My my guesses are he had enough altitude to use a skydive uh, canopy. And then potentially could have used a reserve if something went wrong. Um, maybe there was some sort of like insurance paperwork or something that said if you use it as a reserve. But I mean, he's really cutting it fine. <coughs> if it's a four thousand foot cliff, maybe you need two thousand foot to deploy your main. And if something went wrong, you'd need to cut away and pull your reserve straight away. Yeah, there's not um, much time there, is there? I guess no. <coughs> what's on his what's on his um, on his side of luck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hopefully is uh, yeah. <laughs> he, he's he's going to be exiting that cliff at you know a decent speed, isn't he? Yeah. So that's that's going to be good for for his canopy deployment. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's a really cool thing about um, about ski base as well. Yeah. I've started. We use a little GPS module, so I've started to to look into it a bit more, but. If you're, you know, leaving the cliff at 40 kilometers an hour, that compensates for the first couple of seconds of freefall. So although your cliff might be smaller, you can kind of treat it like it's a bigger cliff because you're, you're exiting with speed. Um, 
yeah, there's a lot of nerdy stuff that goes into to to all these things as well. I've got graphs and all sorts of yeah, <laughs> I can imagine speeds and yeah. is um is because obviously I watched you know McConkey probably ten times, well, quite a few times. Yeah, it's amazing it? movie. Yeah, it's, it's an it's an awesome film, and you know yeah. anyone that's that's not seen it, go and watch it because mm. um oh, it's just touching. Right, he was such a character and inspiration. And, yeah. And, and that's the thing, like he just yeah. seemed like a super good dude, you know, yeah. not just skillful, but like, yeah, no. And he was do, he was he was doing it for the right reasons, right? He wasn't doing it for yeah. Instagram likes or yeah, yeah. I mean, Instagram wasn't a thing when he was around, but he wasn't <laughs> doing it for you know show. He was just doing it because that's who he was, right? He loved it, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, you see that quite a bit nowadays as well. People doing it for the wrong reasons, and yeah. It's, yeah, but um, the ski bait does because you know what he he died at the end because he couldn't get his skis off right, and he was just mm. trying to get he was trying to get them off, trying to get them off, and then the cliff yeah obviously ran out of time and air and just hit them. Mm. Are you still are you do, you do you still get rid of the skis or are you deploying the canopy now with the skis still on? No, so he on that particular jump. Uh, which I repeated two years ago, actually the same the same jump that he died on. Um, on that jump, he had uh, a wingsuit on, which is just adding another. Only three people in the world have done that. And um, wingsuit ski base, wingsuit ski base. Um, two of them are dead, and one of them yeah, died okay. doing it. Shane McConkey. Um, so he's just adding, you know, yeah. risk onto risk onto risk onto risk. Yeah. So for me, when I do it, I can keep the skis on. Um, which just leads to a beautiful landing. Like it doesn't matter how fast you come in on that landing. It's yeah. just, you can ski off. It's, it's stunning. Yeah. Do, do you prefer the, like what's your favorite out of all of them? Or is it just? Oh, man, I can't, I can't, can't choose. Is it like, there are some people that are only wingsuit. Some people that are only static line. Uh, I've, I've, I think she must be the only person in the world, but I've got a friend of mine, um, Maria, absolute legend. She only does ski base. <laughs> Really? <laughs> she uh she does she did like I don't know, she was an old school jumper. She opened up stuff in China and all sorts and wingsuits early on. Um, but she she quit all that and uh and she loves skiing so much that every year we go out and do a few ski bays together. So um but for me I love it all. Yeah, absolutely yeah, love the low stuff, love the wingsuiting, the exploratory stuff, opening new exits. We opened up two new exits in uh, in Kirk gets down the other day so it's yeah the rig comes with me everywhere yeah because you know it's worth mentioning like you've you've you know you're you're a pioneer in in base jumping especially in the uk aren't you with you know you did the ben nevis Thanks, um exit and yeah you've done, am i right in saying you've kind of dedicated a lot of your life to to finding these firsts that have never been done before and yeah I, I, I do enjoy the exploratory side of things you know it's 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 cool to to kind of figure it all out yeah I, I really enjoy like the the exploratory because it's it's taking the skill set that you know and and taking it to the unknown you know you, you don't know if it's possible you don't know you know, if even where that jump is, like sometimes I'll find a picture on a postcard or an Instagram or in a magazine, and like multiple times I've traveled across the world because of one photo. Um, 
Wow. And often, more wow. more often than not, I've been pleasantly surprised. But yeah, that's that that's that intuition kicking in again. Yeah, it's it's just the, the whole process of planning it as well. Like, like the the I, I opened up the first wingsuit jump in Vietnam, and that was from one photo, uh, and that leads to like finding out where that photo is and then finding out if people have been there or driven past it and then Google maps and fat map in imagery and figuring it all out. And, and until you're actually standing at the bottom of the cliff or on top of the cliff or having jumped it, you don't know if it's possible. Yeah. Which is a, yeah. Really cool process. Could you, um, could you imagine a, a life where you stop base jumping? No, <laughs> no. I mean, for me, climbing is, is sustainable. I think, you know, there are people climbing into their 70s and 80s. And um, as, a, as a guy, Remy, Remy, French, uh, I think he's 94 and he's still doing like routes that Eva and I are doing at the weekend and stuff. It's insane, um, isn't it? But base jumping, I don't think it's sustainable. It's, it, it can be, you know, the people that I look up to the most in the sport are the people that have been around the longest. Mm. Um, because they're the ones making the right decisions and uh, and, uh, and are getting it done. But um, at the moment, you know, things change. At the moment, I I um, don't see myself stopping. But um, things change, so we'll see. Do you, do you do you think right? Do you think that because you're you're probably up there with like the I don't know the point zero zero one percent of people in the world, right? That base jump. Do you think? Like in your in your base jumping career, hmm. you know, is is there takeaways that you've learned, or you know, whether it's experiences or, or whatever it is that you know you could other takeaways and experiences that you could give to the other ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the world that have never base jumped before, whether that completely spiritual whether that you know yeah. completely about the preparation whether that's you know because i think you know for me having you know spent time in the special forces and spent time deployed all over the world and you know seeing stuff that most people would never see in their lives there's yeah. i think there's there's definitely a sense of education and growth that comes with that but you know, you can, you know, for example, seeing all that stuff, right, I've got a massive gratefulness and appreciation for the world and for, for the smaller things in life that maybe someone that has worked, has done the same job all their life and, and, and never kind of stepped outside yeah. the comfort zone as, as, as felt. Um, so yeah, is there yeah. wisdom or I mean, I mean, you could pass down to, one thing that I've is, is probably pretty niche, but one thing that I've always taken away from the from the military is is a recce is seldom wasted. <laughs> I love it, and it's it's so true, man. Yeah. It's so true, and it and it's I suppose not so niche in terms of just a fucking just a recce, but but everything that I do, the more time that you're standing on the edge, you're getting accustomed or acclimatized or the more that you know about your subject, uh, you know, when you're, when you're there ready to attack, you know, you're in a right place, right frame of mind. Um, and I, th I think you can, you can take that to, to everyday life or, you know, 
or situations that happen in everyday life. Um, but for, for, for example, for me, not in everyday life, but for jumping, you know, if, if I'm going up to a really technical exit point, um, I want to know everything in terms of where exactly I'm going to put my feet, uh, which direction I'm going to jump in, where I'm going to land, the flight path. And if I'm fig- figuring all that out on, you know, the five minutes in which I'm going to jump, there's just so much going on. But if I do that the day before and, and really drill it into my mind, come back the next day, I'm, the, I'm there, I'm good to go. I can just focus on just the jump. Um, and the other thing I think is, is something I definitely live by is just taking the, making the most of opportunities. Um, you know, I think if you, if you say yes to an opportunity, you can always potentially <laughs> say no later or back down from it. But um, say yes and then figure out how to get it done later. Um, yeah, which, which was kind of the, the, the what just happened with the, the Tian Shan. Like it was quite last minute. And I was like, it's a great opportunity. The guy's organizing it. Dan and I did a, did a great job of organizing it. Oh, I'm going to jump on this and, and figure out all the, uh, the logistical aspects and the money and, the, and everything else down the line when it comes closer to it. So uh, make the most of your free time. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, <clears throat> the opportunity one, the opportunity one is massive, right? Um, I don't know. You've got you've got to be in the you've got to be in the right mindset to be open to opportunities in the first place, and then you've almost got to be in the right because you get if you start. I find the more you know opportunities come around all the time, right? But you might not necessarily spot them because it might just be you going, "Yeah, I oh, mean that sounds like an awesome trip." I'd like. You know, I've got time. Why don't I come? Or, um, mm. you know, the, the the opportunity is not necessarily someone coming up to you and going, it's "Hey, Tim, yeah, do you yeah. want to do you want to come and do this?" You you've got to be in yeah. the right frame of mind to see him. And I found that like, I think, you know, you, you it, for example, you wouldn't be here right if if you hadn't taken opportunity and um, yeah. and and seized it. Yeah, and then I think finally, just just the uh, the word proactive just so many people are like because I, I get a lot of messages you know how do i do this how do i how do i get into it and i'm i'm always you know knowledge is king i'm always happy to pass on information and knowledge and help I'm always you know replying to, to messages but people want stuff handed on handed to them on a silver platter you know and it's you don't get to, to where you are where we are and you know you don't get to to experience things if you're not proactive and it's, I just see it so often and it grips me, man. It's like, oh, that sounds like too much hard work. But it's, and, and people will say like, oh, it's my dream to do this. And you explain how to get it done. Oh, it's too much hard work. It's not much of a dream then. Like you don't really want it if you're not willing to, to put the effort in. Um, but if, for me, like I, I have problems with motivation, man. Like I, I often look at an excuse not to do something because oh, the weather's a bit iffy or you know, I'm not ready or I don't have the right gear. Like, I'm, I've, I'm bad. I'm, I feel bad when I cop out of something because it's, you know, not perfect. But, um, but sometimes you, you just got to, you know, be proactive and get, get shit done. I always think um, <clears throat> I'm like the most proactive, lazy person that I know. Because deep down, <laughs> exactly. deep down, I've got this bad fear that I am lazy and 
uh, rubbish and shit at everything hey, I do. And I've got this overarching fear that just follows yeah. me everywhere. And because of it, I'm the complete opposite. But still deep down, I'm like, I'm like, Jay, you're lazy. So if I, I'm the same, I'm like, if I lack motivation, I can't find a reason mm. to go out for something as simple as a run, right? Or sit down and do yep. some work. Same. I beat myself up over it so much. It's almost not yeah. worth doing it the next time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same, man. It's, I've, I've really got to get a grip of myself sometimes. And, I, and then I think like, what would Eva think about you? What would your dad think? Like, I'm like, no, that would be, yeah, I, let's, let's get those running shoes on and get outside. Like, it, yeah. I love that. Um, I love that saying that, if everyone if everyone could read everyone's mind, they'd all run back in the house and lock the doors until they realise that everyone's just thinking the same thing as them. Yeah, fair one, man. Yeah, for sure. It's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, Tim, it's been it's been awesome chatting. And um, yeah, probably, yeah, thanks so much, man. Really enjoyed yeah, it. I, I could probably go on. I've got you know more questions to ask, but um, yeah, appreciate. Well, next it. time you're in Sham or uh, or you fancy a jump, let me know. Yeah, for sure. Um, I might not take you up on the jump thing just yet, but uh, <laughs> I was actually, I want to get, well, I want to do some more skydives, but um, do you know one of those, it's, it's trying to stack another hobby onto about 10 other yeah, hobbies man. that you're trying feel, to invest yeah. time in. And it's, for me, it's like, right, what, are, what do I want to try and be good at? And I've got yeah. a few hobbies that I really want to just nail down and just, I hate the word hobby as well, two, you know, three or four sports or, or oh, whatever yeah. it is, activities that, I really want to be good at and to try and now throw skydiving into the mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's, how's um, free diving going? You did a yeah, bit of that? Is that, is that on a... Yeah, yeah, enjoy it, you know. Uh, but, but weirdly, I think this summer, so last summer, you know, during lockdown, did loads, did loads of spear fishing, loads of diving. Really? Um, yeah, and I think the conditions were right for it, right? It, we had all mm. that beautiful sun. There wasn't much swell. There wasn't much wind. Um, so, you know, we were having week after week after week of just beautiful blue oceans. So awesome. loads of time to get it done. And do you know, this season I've put my dive kit on once I free dived mm. in Bali and then yeah, I've free dived in the UK once this year. I've just, I don't know. It's weird. I've just not, I've just not found, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I've just not good, found a little skill to have though, for sure. Yeah, pr- proactive. I'm, Power I'm, I'm of actually, breathing. I'm actually turning yeah, into uh, I'm actually turning yeah. into a lazy person. Proactive <laughs> with it. I get you, man. You need yeah. You need to focus on those. You know, add it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've I've always said as well. Like time is is finite, while money is infinite. You can always make more money. So if you've got a certain period of time and you want to focus on your on certain things, you know, you can. You, you got to got to choose what you're going to spend your spare time on eh? you can't and keep I, on piling up more and more sports I find the older you get as well I hate saying that but you do get older right weirdly it but happens. like the, the, the further you know the more revolutions of the sun that you do is what I'll say <laughs> um, you start to really value what you actually want to spend your time doing yeah, and who you uh, want to be around yeah and yeah, I guess. You, I don't know. I, I've noticed in these last few years that I've, you know, I, I get just as much enjoyment around being around certain people than I do from, you know, 
a summer's day climb rock climbing in in portland yeah. or dorset or something and i don't know whether that's you know the amount of times that the earth moves around the sun is you get lazier and lazier or what i don't know <laughs> like even just risk right that my appetite for risk is probably not as as big as yeah. what it would have been maybe five to ten years ago that, that's know. the thing that's that's what i was saying with like you know right now i want to base jump forever but just time time changes you get yeah old, older and you uh you know can we not say that of... can we say the, yeah. <laughs> there's got to be another word for it right the amount of times the earth goes around the sun that's a mouthful mate break it down yeah i know it. should we abbreviate <laughs> the so t i'm i'm i'm, I'm gonna show us i'm awful at doing this how thick i am <laughs> t <laughs> T A, T A. You don't count the O, right? T A R. The amount okay. of time. Oh, mate, I'm going to write it down. So, <laughs> amount. You don't count the O in, unless it makes an awesome word. The Earth goes round. Oh, mate, that's too big. It's like same that. <laughs> T. The amount of the amount of time. The amount of time this the Earth goes round. <laughs> Not working. Done. Tatergs. Tatergs, tatergs, T A T ergs, tatergs. I think that works. Yeah, yeah. Tatergs. I'm thirty-seven tatergs. But yeah, you do like I'm. You know, I'm. I've got. I, I had some projects that three years ago I was, or five years ago I was, you know, chomping at the bit to do, and now I'm just like, really am. Yeah, times change. Yeah. Hey, Tim. Awesome, mate. Um, enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy Geneva. Thanks. And I'm going to come out to Switzerland at the end of the year skiing. So Really um, awesome. Yeah, I'm going to try and do three weeks out there. So let's try and link up, mate, for a beer. Yeah, or that'd be great, man. That'd be really I'll get, cool. I'll even come and just watch one of your, one, one of your base jumps or something. That'd be sick, mate. Anything? Well, we, we're always always skiing around. So, um, yeah, Sweet. let us know where you are and we'll, we'll get, some, uh, get some skiing done. Yeah. Awesome, buddy. Enjoy your quarantine, day. mate. Cheers. <laughs> Catch you later. Bye, mate. Bye. Thanks to our sponsors, Harley Davidson, who have helped make this latest adventure possible. Check them out at harley slash davidson.com or give at harley underscore UKI a follow on Twitter. Thank you. <laughs>